strap with the bum bottom. There's something about him, the beauty, that's why I got him. I leave him strapped and laced and come about him. The last person that touched him, I damn shot him. Now, if you look and see lime green forces is kiwi, you couldn't get this color if you had a person, no genie. You know I keep it hip hop, made flip flop. Ah, Nelly and the Lunatics, Ur Force Ones. <laughs> I was in Vegas once at the D Lounge. I think it's called the D Lounge. And uh, Nelly just got up on stage and started rapping. Could I have said that any older? <laughs> All of a sudden, Nelly got up. No, but anyways, no, it's just one of those things where you're in Vegas. You never know who's going to jump up and just do a couple of tracks cuts or whatever you want to call them <laughs> i almost wish we could start this again we're having this like awesome you know instrumental in the background and i'm like i remember when nelly jumped up on the stage and sang for me all right now we're talking not necessarily about nelly but about the fact that right now the shoe culture the shoe game for those of you who don't know it is right now as hot as it has ever been hot as a pistol and the industry as a whole Thanks to the collaboration of the sporting world and the hip-hop world, the music world, we're talking an industry that starts with a T, trillion-dollar industry. Nike, Adidas, all of the big hitters right now. And then you think of, you know, guy. well, I mean, the ones that we all know, like Drake. You've got Michael Jordan, who did pretty well in the old shoe game. Kanye West and his craziness and his Yeezys, billion-dollar industry as well. Taylor McKee is an assistant professor in sports management at Brock University. And we're going to talk a little sport fashion. We were talking Hockey Canada a couple of days ago. But, Taylor, today we talk about fashion. How many pairs of Jordans? That's what I usually ask any guests that I'm talking shoe game with. Do you have any? And if so, how many? So I have six pairs of Jordans specifically. I actually I have a pair of purple Air Force Ones Ooh. when you were uh, playing that in the intro. They're like, this is, and that Very is exactly nice. my age as well. So we are, we, we definitely share Nelly as a common, as a common influence. <laughs> Wait a minute. You're, you're 24? No, no, no. I'm 33. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's the worst is when I talk to somebody who's like probably a half generation younger and they're like, oh, I remember that song. I was eight years old. And I'm like, oh, dude, I was bartending already. <laughs> I feel terrible. But no, I sit back and I say to myself, culturally right now, that the shoe game has never been better. The resale game, which I think we need to touch on here before the segment is done, is incredible. But a lot of the younger generation didn't actually see Michael Jordan play live. And yet his shoes are as hot as they've ever been, Taylor. Well, it's amazing. I mean, first of all, it's staggering if you think about, you know, the era in which Nelly was making that music, the the NBA landscape that was was around in like that early 2000s, late 90s moment there. You have 2005, you have David Stern brings in the uh, the NBA dress code. And basically this is in the wake of the, the malice at the palace. And there was this belief that uh, the NBA had become too hip hop. So this notion that like, you know, we're going to meld hip hop and, and, and major sports as big business. I mean, a lot of these leagues really, really were really hesitant to adopt this sort of strategy full on. It would be unthinkable to think of that now, given the fact that you have so many rappers with courtside seats, Drake being a cultural ambassador for the Raptors. But you think about the way that the shoe game has sort of evolved, certainly with the, with the, with the internet, but certainly just its influence on leagues like the NBA. I mean, 
you had a situation in which, you know, Allen Iverson's reputation, his professional reputation back in the early 2000s was that of he was actually harming the league with Timberlands and things like that. Things have changed drastically since then. I don't know if it's a faux pas to wear another player's shoes. Like, for example, I'll never forget the story I heard about Kobe wearing the Jordans and Jordan saying, you might, you know, I'm going to paraphrase here. You may be able to play basketball, but you'll never be able to fill those shoes. And it burned Kobe Bryant inside, and he ended up becoming a multiple-time champion in the NBA. But I just sit back, and I look at what baseball players are doing to their shoes. I look at what football players are doing. Like, I saw a bunch of Jordans on the gridiron this past weekend in the in the NFL, and I thought to myself, this is unbelievable that now people are transitioning court shoes, basketball shoes, into football shoes and baseball shoes. Again, it just speaks to that influence that the NBA and specifically with basketball culture has had over the four major North American sports. And and if Nike was still making skates before they left the hockey space, they'd be making Jordan style skates as well. It's 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 truly unfathomable. And you were mentioning about the full pop of wearing other people's That would shoes. look I mean, terrible, cold. by the way. That would look <laughs> yeah. really bad. That's the one major sport where I don't think they should try to do a knockoff Jordan. Just saying. <laughs> uh, Austin Matthews would wear that. You know that's true. That would be Austin oh Matthews. Oh my that god, on <laughs> he totally would. He totally would. Hey, by the way, not to not to switch gears on this because I do want to talk about this, but I want to get into fashion of these hockey players that are showing up at the arena because the old days it used to be the two piece suit, maybe dare we say a three piece or with the old vest open, but. I don't know how much I like this, and I don't want to feel like the old guy yelling at the clouds. But seeing these players show up in what they're wearing in this day and age. What do you feel about this? Some people will say, oh, well, they're just showing their personality, but are we getting away from professionalism as a result? Well, you know, professionalism as it's defined by, you know, people who are, who've seen the game for, for old 40, people, 50, go ahead. Years. Old people, yeah. <laughs> not you specifically, but you know, I mean, whatever professionalism looked like, that's a tough thing to sort of nail down. And, you know, returning to that Oh five instant with the, with the institution of the NBA dress code. I mean, they, they sort of felt something similar. My main thought is that this is supposed to be a method of self-expression, but it's already become a method sometimes for some NHLers of just crass commercialism in terms of like just tie-ins with very large brands. If you look at the way that some NBA uh, players and some NFL players like Cam Newton and Russell Westbrook, they genuinely use this as self-expression. Like This stuff is really, really out there and they, they take some serious, serious swings. You know, William Elander showing up in a hoodie is not necessarily a subversion of our idea of what a professional is supposed to look like. So, you know, whether or not that qualifies as high fashion is probably outside my pay grade, but certainly it is not the sort of revolution in, in, in sport fashion that you've seen, I think, in some athletes and in the other four major North American sports. Taylor McKee, assistant professor in sports management at Brock University. Um, Taylor, let's talk about the resale game because nothing's more frustrating than knowing when a shoe is going to drop, going to, you know, said store, like a Foot Locker, for example, and they open up at nine and they're sold out at 9.01. And you're like, well, wait a minute, I was third in line. So obviously there's some stuff going on there. But once those shoes are sold, like, for example, a pair of Jordan 1s, what are they, 150, 175? Then all of a sudden, within a couple of hours, you got to go track them down on StockX or, you know, insert shoe provider here. And they're three, $400. For a shoe collector, it's cool. I'll go get it because I got to have it. But for a regular family, like if I wanted to get my kids some shoes, I got no shot at getting them the latest product because everybody is so hot for these shoes that you almost can't go to the conventional store and get them anymore. 
I mean, you're absolutely right. The the retail of a Jordan One is like 160, and uh, StockX most recent X, uh, it's 750 plus for the the cheapest Jordan One that you can get on a resale, resale market right now. And one of the things, if you remember back in the early days of eBay, the promise of the internet was supposed to democratize this process, right? Because it used to be, unless you lived in New York or Toronto, I mean, growing up where I grew up, grew up in Calgary, and there was no chance of getting that stuff. So the internet brought with it the promise that, you know, you could really honestly jump the line. There was a global marketplace. The reality is now we realize how this sort of works, and I won't name the name of the shop here, but I walked into a very, very small store here in, uh, in St. Catharines where I live. And they have wall to floor to wall Yeezys, which are extremely hard to get. And I was like, how did you get so many? And they're like, yeah, we have a bot. And that's the reality. I mean, they're able to purchase yep. these sort of software tools that they're able to get large quantities of these things. And that's their livelihood. I don't begrudge them that. But that's not what the StockX promise was or what eBay promised back in the day. It was supposed to democratize this process. And instead, it centralized it in a very, very small collection of sneakerheads. I will say that I used to kind of be the poo-poo guy that was like, ah, those are knockoffs. And I should probably rephrase that. Um, I was the guy that kind of looked at people and said, man, those are knockoffs. But when I see, and I, and the same thing goes with sports jerseys now, because jerseys are three, $400. But the reality is, is if a family's kind of like, you know, I can't afford $400 for a pair of, you know, basic Jordans, the knockoff market, which, you know, obviously comes out of Asia I don't knock people for that anymore. I used to, but now I'm kind of like, hey, man, you want to have the look? I get it. But if they're if the lacing's a little different, but you still kind of get what they're going for, I I can't have that problem anymore the way that I used to. You know, listen, make no bones about it. Both products are coming out of Asia, ironically. I mean, they're both coming from the same right. same geographic. So I mean, like we're not talking about a large difference in terms of quality half the time. But you know, you spoke to the hockey jersey element of this as well, which. You know, it is it is moved so far. If you remember the old Coho jerseys, the old CCM jerseys uh, from the early 2000s, the late 90s. Uh, before that, you had many different sort of replica brands in the marketplace. Pro Player, um, which just to name a few, Ravens even earlier than that. It's really centralized again in a very very few sort of options. And Fanatics in the in the last few years has been able to make uh, some more affordable options. But you know, those knockoff options that are 50 bucks compared to a brand new Adidas one, which numbered can run you over 300 dollars. I mean. That is really, really, really rough to imagine for, for a young family, especially when, you know, with player turnover uh, being what it is. It's not terribly surprising to see so many new jerseys issued in the NHL more than we've ever seen. I mean, we just saw a complete new set of jerseys for every team in the NHL released yesterday. I mean, this is really a golden era for, for the multiplicity of, 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 of jerseys total. I don't know how original all of them are. The reverse retro ones are certainly out there, but I mean, we definitely have got to an era of uniformity in, in hockey jerseys and, but certainly not a, an era of scarcity. I hear you. We'll have to talk about this another time. Cause that's a whole nother thing. My favorite Jordan of all time. And I got them and I ain't ever wearing them. My Jordan 11 Concords. Those are my jam and one day I'll wear them. But anyways, I appreciate you doing this, Taylor. Please <laughs> stop by again. I'm back in two weeks. So we're going to talk more about this. All right. Love to. Thanks so much for having me. My pleasure. Taylor McKee, sports management at Brock University. I'm Rob Fay, and this is On Point.